God has been working in my life ever since then. In 2008, uh, God took me on my very first mission trip to uh, Nicaragua. And people began to tell me that, you know, when you, when you go outside the country of the United States, God will reveal and show you things that you've always uh, just read about or seen things on TV. And as I went into this uh, other country that I've never been out of the country in the United States, so when I went to this other country and I began to experience the culture and the people there, the most incredible thing that I saw when I went there was that I saw the hand of God. I saw God working. And I had never really seen that in the past two years uh, from a, a physical standpoint with my eyes. And as I went to this mission field, I saw the least of these. I saw where God was working in these people's life. And about the third day I was there, I felt this tremendous calling in my life to go and, 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 and become an evangelist, become a, a missionary to the world. Now, I will just tell you this, that scared the fire out of me. I could not understand why God would, would take me to somewhere like that or want me to be there. And so, as I came back home, I began to study God's Word. And as Joey and I were discussing this morning, this Word of God, if you read God's Word, it will change you. This is the Holy Spirit working in our lives as it all should for everyone and as I began to read and going through my discipleship and, and learning and, and, and letting the Holy Spirit uh, teach me and, and tug at my heart, I began to realize I do have a calling in my life. God was calling me to do something more with my life than what I was doing at that time. And let me just show you a little bit what I was doing at that time. At that time, I was refereeing college basketball for a living. I traveled the country uh, on TV, sharing the gospel, or excuse me, uh, refereeing college basketball and doing these things all over the country. And, and it was something that was a lifelong dream of mine to work toward that, to work on that. That's what I was going to do with my life. But when I came to that road and I met Jesus Christ, all of that changed immediately. For now there was a new focus, a new goal in my life, and it wasn't no more blowing a whistle or refereeing a, a game of basketball. It was more about telling people all across the world about Jesus Christ, to make Him famous, to make Him known, and people need to know who Jesus is. In Matthew, when we read in Matthew 28, after Jesus died on the cross and He was resurrected, the Bible tells us that he spent about 40 days on this earth. He was sharing with about 400 people and he spoke to his 11 disciples and he began to share with them a final commandment. And we know what that commandment is. We call it the Great Commission. He began to share with them and tell them that you must go and tell the good news to the world. Of all the scriptures that I read, I believe Jesus speaking this this passage right here is the most powerful of all scriptures for me personally. For Jesus said, therefore, go. You know, all of us as born again believers that have Jesus Christ living in our hearts, we've been commanded by God to go. We've been commanded by God to go into this world and be a missionary to tell people about Jesus Christ. As I speak to churches all over the country and all over the world, I tell every sitting person that's sitting in a pew or in a chair or under a tree out in the middle of nowhere, I tell them this, 
You are a missionary. God has called you to go and tell the good news. God has called you to go outside these doors of this church here in Wynn, Arkansas, to go into your neighborhood to preach the gospel, to go to your neighbors and tell them about Jesus, to go to your local Walmart, to your Sonic, or to wherever God calls you today after church, to preach and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of the best sermons I've ever been taught or I've ever heard of never used words. Now think about that for a second. God has called you to use you to go into the world and preach the gospel. You don't have to be a a big time evangelist and be behind a microphone and be able to preach the gospel. But God has called you to go into this world and be a disciple of Christ. To share the love of Christ. Share the love of Christ through action. Some of the biggest things that we've ever done in our ministry is not that we get behind a pulpit, we get behind a microphone and we preach the gospel. It's the simple things of saying, I love you. Or put your arm around someone and say, God loves you. To be able to feed a hungry child that has not eaten in days. To show them the love of Christ. My friends, that's preaching the gospel. That's shown the love of Christ. And we've all been commanded to do that. Each and every one of us, we have gifts that God has given us. Some of us have gifts of being able to sing. Some of us have gifts to be able to open our pocketbook. Some of us have gifts to be able to preach the gospel. Some of us have got the gift of just simply showing compassion and empathy for this world. We all have a gift. Take your gift that God has given you. Apply it to your life and apply it to this world to tell people about Jesus. As I was driving here this morning... I had to apologize to Joey. First of all, Matt is a very detail-oriented pastor. He had emailed me several weeks ago telling me uh, about the order of service and what we were going to do today. And he mentioned in there about a 9 o'clock service and also the 11 o'clock service. And for some reason in my phone, I put, make sure I'm there by 1030. And so at 9 o'clock when y'all were starting your service, I was just leaving my house and I was late. (laughs) And so... Uh, Matt texted me and said, hey, are you okay? Are you all right? And I said, yes, I am. I'm on my way. I'm excited about being there. And he texts me back and he goes, well, that's great, but you're late. We started at 9 o'clock. And so I was a little embarrassed by that. But thankfully, Joey stepped in this morning and was able to share this morning. But even through a situation like that, there's a purpose and a reason. And I believe God laid it on your heart this morning, Jody, to speak from your heart about what's been burdened on you. And so God uses moments like that to be able to fill in the gaps, to fill in when we think that it's a mistake, that we feel like that God is not watching or maybe that God's not in control. Let me hear to tell you this morning, God is in control. He's in control of this virus. He's in control of this government. He's in control of our president. He's in control of everything we do in life. God is still in control. And he sits on his throne. Amen. Thank God for that. But I I don't know why I got sidetracked there. I got sidetracked. But I wanted to share with you this morning about this passage about that we must go and how important it is. This is something that's been on my heart ever since 2008. 
And when I surrendered finally to the ministry in 2011, said, okay, here I am, Lord, send me whatever you want me to do. I don't know what that looks like. Send me, God. God took me to the, back to the country of Nicaragua several years after that first trip. And I kept doing work there, and I kept seeing God work, and I kept hearing the call. And finally, I accepted the call, turning down everything in my life, turning down uh, my job and, and, and my security and things that, that I had worked for. I turned it all down, and I forfeited to give to God and say, God, here I am. Send me. And so I've been going and, and preaching the gospel all over the world to so many different countries and telling people about Jesus. And this morning, I want to share with you a little bit about my ministry that I do run and that we uh, operate in, in all over the world. It's called Open Hearts Ministries. And I have people ask me all the time, Charlie, why is it called Open Hearts Ministries? And let me share with you. God revealed this to me the night that I got saved, and He reveals it to me all the time. You see, in order for us to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have to have an open heart. If you don't have an open heart, how can you receive that gift that God gives us? And so we named our ministry Open Hearts Ministry because our ministry is based purely on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything we do, whether we're building a church, whether we're feeding children, whether we're visiting sick people in a hospital, whatever the task that God has called us to do through our ministry, we, pray, uh, we, uh, we preach and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? I go back to Matthew 28. This is Jesus speaking when He said, Therefore, go. You see, we've got to go. If we think for one minute by sitting in this pew today and opening that back door that people of Wynn, Arkansas are going to walk in here to hear what we got to say. I'm going to tell you something. It's just not going to happen. And Jesus knew this. He told us, therefore, go and preach the good news. And so today, before we leave here, I pray that each and every one of us will take a, an attitude of understanding of what Jesus was saying, that we must go and preach the gospel. No matter where we go, where, we, where God takes us uh, after a church today, whether it's to lunch or to our house or to a restaurant or wherever, share and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Use words when they are necessary, but show the love of Christ. Now then, is that easy? Heck no, it's not easy. It can be very confrontational at times. It can be very uh, divisive at times. It can be a struggle at times. It can be embarrassing at times. I could tell you so many stories of sharing the gospel and things that's happened. Things that's happened terribly about that. But I want you to know this. That every time I share the gospel of Jesus Christ, I believe my Jesus will stand at the right hand of the Father and He applauds my actions and what I'm doing. I pray that each and every one of you this morning will take that same action and have that same desire to go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Open Hearts Ministries was founded in 2015. We began our work in the country of Nicaragua not knowing what the future held. A few uh, years prior to that, your pastor, uh, Pastor Matt, came on a trip to Nicaragua and I met Matt. And I remember my first time meeting him at the airport when I picked him up. I looked at him. He looked at me. I introduced myself. I said, my name is Charlie Brown. And he looked at me and he said, well, that's interesting. And it is interesting. Let me tell you a little story about that. 
My mom and dad, my dad was a jokester. He thought it was funny about doing a lot of things in life. And he took that funny uh, attitude out on naming me as a child. Naming, thought it would be funny to name me uh, Charlie Brown. And as I was growing up, the word Charlie Brown was a very decisive uh, uh punctuate uh, situation for me growing up because it caused problems. You know how kids can be. Kids can be very brutal sometimes. And so I was always finding myself in trouble because I was made fun of my name. But you see, even when I didn't know, God had a plan. As I become older and as I became an adult, what I realized, my name was very popular and people would remember who you were. And so I've been to places all over the world and when I see people and I talk to people, I introduce myself as Charlie Brown... They'll tell me later, you know, like when they see me and they say, hey, Charlie, how you doing? And my wife, uh, God bless her heart, she stays with me by my side. And when someone will talk to me and say, how you doing, Charlie? How's life treating you and everything? And they walk off and I look at my wife and I say, who was that? She has a mind to remember who people are. I do not. And so God took my name and used it to glorify Him to be able to spread the gospel so people would remember and stuff. And so I'm thankful for it now when in the, in the beginning I was not thankful for it. But God always has a plan. He's always in charge with every aspect of our lives and what He wants us to do. And as I met Brother Matt that day at the airport, I began to see him throughout the week and what we were doing. And I began to share with him uh, about our ministry and what we're doing as far as sharing the gospel. And I saw Matt had the same desire that he wanted to share the gospel as well. And for that week that we were there, we led hundreds of people to Christ. We began to share the gospel, preach the gospel, use words when necessary. And we saw a movement of God. And after Matt left and come back home, uh, there is a lot of people that I meet that I never hear or see from again. But for some reason, me and Matt continued to have a friendship, a relationship, and we began uh, to talk and, and share with one, each other over the years. And uh, when I heard that Matt was coming to win, I told him, I said, now you're finally getting closer to where I live at. I said, we can, we can visit more and we'll be able to talk more and stuff. And uh, as we began to, to talk about his uh, coming to win and stuff, we were super excited and, and I told him, I said, I would love to get you involved with our ministry and what we're doing about preaching the gospel, taking people on mission trips around the world and teaching them. And he said, that would be great. Let's do that. And so we're putting together the footsteps of being able to accomplish that. And my prayer is for First United Methodist Church of Wynn, Arkansas, that you guys will get engaged and that you will get on board and want to go and preach the gospel around the world. And that's what our ministry is about. We want to take missionaries. We want to take people like you into the mission field and say, here we go. Let's go tell people about Jesus Christ. Why? Again, I go back to Matthew 28. As Jesus said, therefore, go. You see, we must go and preach the gospel. In 2015, we begin our work in Nicaragua. We begin to feed some children. We begin to do some ministry with some local uh, pastors and churches there in the city of Leon, Nicaragua. There's about 400,000 people that live there. And when you go to this city, this city is a very poor and very impoverished town. You know, we're blessed in America. The things that we have, the freedoms that we have, the freedom to be able to come here today and worship, the freedoms to be able to go and vote, the freedoms to be able to get in our car and drive freely without being stopped or harassed by the police. We live in a blessed country. 
Our country is one of a kind. And so many people desire to come here. And they want to be a part of our freedom that we, we have. But unfortunately, so many people take our, our freedoms lightly. They just take them for granted. You know, in the country of Nicaragua, everywhere I go, when people know that I'm a North American, that I'm coming from the United States, the number one common denominator they tell us all the time is, I want to go to your country. I want to experience freedom like you experience freedom. And I tell them all the time that, you know, America is great and it is awesome, but it surely is flawed as we have many, many problems. It's not perfect by no means, but it is the greatest country in the world. My friends in Nicaragua all the time are telling me, say, you know, tell me what's it like in America. Tell me what it's like to be an American citizen. And so I begin to share with them uh, things that I think that are important. And when they look on their face, when they look at you, they're just in awe of what you're saying. My director in Nicaragua, his name is Javier. And Javier had an opportunity to come to America a few years ago. And we brought him here for six weeks and we traveled around the country. We went to New York, to Louisiana, uh, to Texas. And, and I was showing him our culture and showing him our country and, and who we are and what we do. And I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened on that trip that made me feel to be ashamed to be an American. And let me share this with you. Javi and I was in a car and we were driving down the road and I noticed that my car was getting dirty. And so I told Javi, I said, I'm going to pull in this car wash and I'm going to wash my car. And as I paid with my debit card, the, the machine and the little gate came up and we went in. He was asking questions. What are we doing? And I said, we're going to wash our car. And he kept looking around for people and there was no people around and he said, how are you going to wash your car if there's no one here to wash it? And I said, this thing's automated. There's a machine that's going to wash our car. And he said, no way. No way is that going to... I said, yeah, it is. Just, just wait. Just wait. And as we pulled up there, the attendant waved us forward and we stopped. And I put my car in neutral and he was taking everything that I was doing and just watching it. And Javi's eyes were just so lit up and he was in such awe of what was taking place. And then the machine caught the wheel and the car began to move when we entered into the car wash. And I remember the, the water coming down the suds on the car and, and it got kind of dark in the car and I looked over at Javier and he was just in dis disbelief of what he saw. He couldn't understand it. And then as we pro proceeded through and washed the car and we come out and the big blow dryers were blowing the car off and everything and we pulled out, he sat over there and never said a word. And we drove all the way to the house. He never said a word. And as we got to the house, he come in and he sat down and I sat in my chair and I said, what are you thinking? And this is what he said. He said, America, he said, you people are spoiled. He said, he just never could understand how that could happen or how was the process with that. He was in disbelief. He just could not believe a machine could wash a car like that. And then he told me this. He said, how much was that? And I told him, I said, it's like $10. And he said, you know how, much we, we, how many kids we could feed for $10 in Nicaragua? And I said, you're right. 
You're absolutely right. So there was a moment there that my eyes were opened up to understand what another set of eyes was looking that I've been accustomed to all my life. And for a brief moment, I took that and I understood how I take things for granted. So, as we progressed through our ministry in 2015, we worked in the country, not knowing you know, what God had planned for us. And God took us to the country of Kenya. And we went there and we found a director of an orphanage that needed some help. He had 126 orphans that lived in a one little room hut. And at night when we would go and, and, and check on the sea to see all those precious babies sleeping on top of each other, laying uh, on top of each other underneath the hut just to get out of the coolness of the air, it broke my heart. And I said, we got to do something. And so we began an investment to work with them to help them build some dormitories, to build some housing. And then we went on moved and helped to build a school so they can go to school and be educated. And God has done a phenomenal work in that orphanage in Kenya, Africa. And then in 2018, God took us to the country of India. And we got there. I didn't know a lot about India. But I began to read up on India. Do you know there's like 1.3 billion people that live in India? They are stacked on top of each other. The, the, the living conditions are horrible. And so we found a local pastor. His name's Nikul. And we began a partnership with him and asked him, how can we help you to reach your people for Jesus Christ? And so we began a, a partnership with him, an investment for the kingdom. And since then, we've seen through Nikul well over 50,000 people come to know Christ. Now, I don't say that to boast about that. I say that to give you some substance, a foundation about what happens through our ministry. It's all about the gospel. Then God took us to the country of Pakistan. Pakistan is the fifth most dangerous place in the world for Christians to be at. I was sharing with Joey earlier that when we go there, we have to have a security detail to, to escort us, to keep us safe, to, to, to take us places where we're no, there's no harm to us. And as we travel through the countryside of Pakistan, we go to villages and we preach the gospel. And I have Facebook, a social media platform, and on my Facebook page, there is a picture of a 90-year-old man. And he's hugging me. He's got his head laid in my chest. And I remember meeting this guy for the very first time as we wandered into a village and we were walking. He was sitting on a, on a stump or a stool of some sort, and he stood... He opened his arms with tears running down his cheek. He came walking toward us. And he buried his head into my chest and, and hugged me. And he was speaking, but I couldn't understand what he was saying. And I asked my translator, what is he saying? And this is what he said. He said he'd waited over 30 years for someone to come to tell him the good news. That day I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. And he accepted the Lord as his Savior. Folks, God is real. God loves you. And I'm going to prove it to you right now how much God loves you. This might be a little unorthodox for a Methodist church, but I think it's important to share with you and show you how much God loves you. I'm going to ask everyone here, if you don't mind, to close your eyes. And I want to take you somewhere. And I want you to imagine 
a place that's very special and very dear to me. So if you don't mind, close your eyes. I want to share this story with you. I want you to begin to imagine a hill in the far distance. And as you see that hill, I want you to begin to walk toward that hill. And as you're getting closer, you begin to notice that there are three crosses on that hill. Now don't stop walking. And as you're getting closer, I want you to focus in on that middle cross. There's a body hanging on that cross. That body is Jesus Christ. Now please, don't stop walking. Keep walking toward that cross. I want you to walk all the way up to the base of that cross. And I want you to look at the ground around that cross. Do you see it? There's blood everywhere. Look closely. Look at the ground. Now I want you to start looking up on that cross at the feet of Jesus. His feet had been nailed into the cross with a long spike. His toes are curled under and blood is dripping from his toes. Do you see it? Now I want you to look at Jesus' body. His body has been beaten. His flesh is hanging from his ribcage. And there's blood everywhere. Do you see it? Now I want you to look at Jesus' face. His face has been beaten. The Bible tells us His beard has been torn from His face. There's a crown of thorns that has been embedded into His his forehead. And there's blood flowing everywhere. Do you see it? Look at Him. Now I want you to look in Jesus' eyes. Look at Him. You see Him? My friends, do you know what Jesus was thinking about? He was thinking about you. And you. And you. He was thinking about the whole world. You see? Now look at me. That's how much God loves you. He loves you so much that He gave. He gave His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, that if we believeth in Him, we shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the Gospel. That's the Gospel message. And we are commanded by God to go around the world and preach the Gospel. Using words when necessary. Now that's a sad story, but I want to tell you the good news. The good part of the story 
You see, after Jesus died on that cross, they took him off that cross and they put him in a tomb. It was guarded by Roman soldiers and they rolled a big rock in front of that tomb. And the world proclaimed that Jesus Christ was dead. But I'm here to tell you, there's good news coming. Because on the third day, God sent an angel down. He rolled that rock away and Jesus came alive. And He's alive today. He conquered the grave. He conquered death. A death that you deserve. There's power in the gospel. There's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. My friends, this morning, I pray that each and every one of us, we understand the power of the gospel. We understand, according to God, according to Jesus, that we must get up and go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our calling. That's what God called us all to do. I stand before you this morning not knowing any of you and I've looked at every face here this morning and I don't know you. But I will tell you this. I love you. 